0: and that's the first question i ask do we need vr do we need ar do we, does that really add to the experience or can we do it without because we have enough technology in our lives maybe we need some experiences that make us think about our senses without technology
1: welcome back to the genuine x podcast this week we're lucky enough to be joined by kim orancy the ceo and founder of innocency we discuss Kim's interesting process of using all the senses to create a multi-sensory experience that can leave a lasting impression. This impression can change people's perceptions and behaviours, all the while with technology at its heart. In this episode, we also touch on Kim's most recent work with the UN, which is focused on raising awareness around climate change issues and sustainability. Kim believes that by using all the senses to create a multi-sensory experience, we can leave a lasting impression and change people's perceptions and their existing behaviours, sometimes with technology and sometimes without. Hi Kim, how are you? Great to have you with us.
0: Great to be here.
1: Um, Kim, do you want to just give us a bit of an intro into yourself? Tell us what you do, where you're from, what you're up to.
0: I'm Canadian. <laughs> I've been living in London for 20 years. I run a company called Innocency and it's all about innovating with sense and the reason this came to be I'd say it's because I've worked uh, in tech for the last 13 years um, at the forefront of disruption and innovation, creating big events, bringing together corporates with, with disruptors and seeing How amazing tech is developing so quickly and exponentially but also seeing how while it's connecting us in ways we've never been connected before it's also really disconnecting us and I feel that we need to re-engage back with our senses and find a way to reconnect to ourselves and each other and our environment in order to truly innovate and in a sustainable way for the future
1: so Kim tell me a little bit more about Innocency
0: so in a sense, he creates, uh, we create experiences that, as I say, reconnect us back to ourselves and each other and our environment, and we do that using the five senses. So instead of just watching a video or reading something or listening to a piece of music, we bring it all together, so it's a completely multi-sensory experience, so we feel that that's much more impactful. When you leave an experience where you've engaged all your senses, you tend to remember it more and the message is stronger. And uh, in this day and age of the experience economy, this is something that is, uh, I think, becoming more widespread. People are realizing that, so.
1: And then we kind of, we kind of first met, because we, we had a little chat about an event that you were doing, which you were combining virtual reality with food uh, to kind of heighten the senses. Is that right?
0: Yeah, so in that uh, dining experience I created, um, the purpose of it was really to raise awareness around uh, um, food waste and plant-based eating and the benefits of it. And so while it was a multi-sensory dining experience, I also brought in virtual reality and augmented reality to challenge perceptions. So for example, if someone was fed one thing, they'd be seeing something completely different in VR and it would show them afterwards that actually what you think you tasted changed because you saw and heard and smelled something different. And so the VR took them even a step further into that other world. So it was really interesting for them to then take off the headset and realize what they'd been eating was nothing what they thought.
1: What was the reactions that you got to, to that sort of...?
0: Yeah, it was quite uh, interesting. People loved the immersion. You know, I created this whole set, so they were in a forest and you know, walking through the leaves and um, eating off the grass. So it was a, a complete uh, immersive experience. And the VR, they told me, just heightened it that much more and also made them more aware of um, their kind of biases and perceptions around food. And it, it made them think. So the purpose was when they take off their headset, then they're eating the course and they're speaking to each other about what they just experienced, and that really worked well because they'd gone through this experience together. So we did that three times during the dinner with the VR headsets. And,
1: and that sort of um, that sort of setup really s- seems to have struck quite a-, a chord with people, right? This kind of immersive experience eating. I mean, we see it quite a lot in in other areas and interactive theatre and stuff like that. And you've now progressed into doing some quite large events of that nature, right?
0: Yeah, I think my my whole raison d'être or something, is is rather than doing it for the purpose of just entertainment, I want to do it for sending out a message or making people more aware of a global issue. This is how I'm using it. So, um, again, with VR, for example, VR is such an immersive way to tell a story or send a message but when you add in the other senses, the smell and the sound and, and touching things, it takes it that much further. And so you really feel like you were there. It's a, it's a whole different level of VR. And so even when I use VR in any experience or create a, a VR story, I always want to incorporate the other senses because I think it it's just that much more memorable and impactful. And
1: but you don't use v- like VR, AR all the time, right? No. It's a kind of a, yeah. you've got like a multi-tool selection thing. It kind of depends on the narrative story you're trying Absolutely.
0: to tell, Absolutely. Right? So I always use a multi-sensory kind of palette, so we always bring in the different senses. But uh, VR and AR and AI is something that I'm going to be working with. But that all comes in when I think it really adds to the experience, yeah. that it will really enhance it in, in a way that we couldn't have that experience without it otherwise i don't use it i don't use it just to say this was a vr dinner i i really want to um, make sure that the technology has a place
1: ai is quite interesting can you tell us a little bit about what you're thinking around using ai in this kind of forum
0: one of the ideas i have is um i want people to be aware of how their data is being used and and so forth so i i thought of doing a sort of dining experience where We can predict what they're going to want based on things we know that they like. So collecting that data and kind of predicting the kind of meal they're going to like. This is very tailored, so it will be quite difficult. But I want to do that almost to scare people, to show them how the future will be. Like, there's so much that will be predicted for them that they won't even need to think anymore. And I want them to think about this, that we're giving our decision-making ability away because we're relying more and more on AI without even noticing it. We're being kind of um, recommended things, right? From music, to what to watch on television, to what books to read. It's all being recommended to us and we just take it. Even food, we just take it and it's great. We don't have to think. But if we keep taking that, going in that direction, eventually we won't have to think at all and make any decisions and everything will be made for us. So I want them to be more aware of that. So we're so. caught in
2: a food filter bubble. Yeah. <laughs> say? Yeah, in the same ways, as you say, as like Amazon and Spotify, exactly. serve, serve you things that you already like. So you have to try new things. You have to break out of that filter bubble by trying new things. Absolutely. So from an experience design point of view, how do you start to, um, how does that play out? How do you teach through the experiences that you put on?
0: I think my experience are my experiences are there almost to shake people up and just to shock them. So it's more I want to give them experience where they walk away going, "Oh my god, I want I want to think about that." What, so if it's about how their data is being used or or, you know, how AI is going to predict all their desires, I want them to think about that because I think again we're walking through life like robots and just accepting what's happening and the tech that's developing faster and faster and yes it's amazing and it can be used for such positive things but also there's a danger and I want people to be aware so I think I'm all all about raising awareness so my experiences are created to really shake you and just kind of wake you up
2: yeah so it leaves you with a lasting memory makes you think people leave thinking and then change so therefore change their behavior exactly so what sort of people do you do that for
0: so until now, it's been mainly industry, so it's, it's B2B. Mm. So when I did that first VR dinner, that was for the food industry. So it was people from food and beverage who make decisions about food and beverage to get them thinking about food waste and so forth. That was uh, based on the concept called Root to Flower, um, and that's what the dinner was called. Root to Flower is a movement taken from nose to tail Right, okay, But it's the veggie version. So it's um, how do we use the full fruit and vegetable and not waste up to 40% of it, which we are currently doing? You know, you have a leek and you chop off probably 30 to 40% of it and just use the center part. How can we learn to use all the parts of the fruits and vegetables? Right. So in that dinner, everything was used. If we had carrots in one dish, we had the carrot tops in another dish. So... Um, so yeah, it's it's getting people to think about about right.
2: So it's literally they use every bit of the pig, but for use every bit of the beetroot. Right.
0: Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. and in that dinner, also, we use the AR to give them recipes around that. so they could go around the venue around the room and put their phone against big, beautiful photos of fruits and vegetables and get a recipe to take home that you a simple recipe uh, that anyone can do to take home and that uses the full thing because people, again, they don't think about it. We just do things automatically. You cut up a pineapple and throw big parts of it away but what if you could use all the parts of it or a banana and so forth because if we used all the food that we grow if we use much more of it all this whole thing about 30 percent of our food is being wasted that would go down immensely just by not wasting what we have in our homes so it's a big it's a big deal
1: <laughs> and I, um, looking at your history like you've kind of you've been at the sort of the, the tip of the technological Sort of boom in london working with the tech london advocates people like that and so you've seen what the development of the tech industry has been like here right and we were speaking earlier and you were kind of touching on the the concerns around having this incredible boom in technology but yet the human element the thing that makes us human is taken out Uh, and it seems to be quite important in your work
0: Very important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why um, part of my work through InnoSensi is working with um, companies who are either designing or developing technology, again, to get them to think about the senses because that's the human side. It's no good developing a piece of technology, an app or anything that doesn't tap into what makes us human because no one's going to use it or it'll be a fad and it'll go out. But if they can think about what makes us human first. And if I can shake them up a little bit to get thinking about that through their senses, maybe the technology they're going to develop is going to tap into the senses and make people who use it feel more human instead of feeling like part of the machine. It's really important.
1: You've also just done quite a big event. Yeah, yeah, yeah,. yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that event?
0: Yeah, so um I worked with uh, the UN. Climate Change uh, Conference in Bonn, Germany, a few weeks ago, um, to bring food onto the agenda of climate change and, and to show how important it is. Because I did my dinner before with the VR dinner with the the root to flower topic, which is all about sustainable eating and food waste. Um, they asked me to come and do a dining experience for some of these delegations and from all over the world to to kind of learn about this and see how important food is to building a sustainable future and to climate change. So, um, I worked with uh, two different chefs uh, who actually did not speak the same language, so it was quite a UN experience, it was quite challenging, but very fun. And we created this amazing six course dining experience, again, multi-sensory, we had soundscapes for each course. uh, everything was, um, you would eat with your hands, you know, the table was covered in grass. So it was very uh, tactile. And um, yeah, it was, and there were scents and so forth. And it was really, it was a plant-based meal. Again, everything was used, so it was zero waste. And it really was uh, put in place for these people who make some of the decisions and, and who go back to their countries and are talking about this to see how important what we put on our plate is to climate change, because it, it's a big part of it. I don't think people realize how much of a role it plays in climate change. So by eating plant based cuisine, by not wasting the plants that we eat, by eating less um, meat products we can make a huge difference in climate change. And so everybody can play a part in it. So using my dining experience, multi-sensory dining experience, just made a strong impact. And there was a lot of um, feedback after that they'd never experienced anything like this. And think, they would- I think that's the
2: interesting thing, isn't it? The yeah. fact that it's these people are so used to going to things such as the UN, and there will be a single speaker talking to a big crowd. But by bringing some experience design, It's much more impactful in the message that you want to communicate. It's uh, much more memorable for them. And presumably, you will get more behavior change from these individuals as much as they're able to. Exactly. And so it's not even... So not all of the experiences had technology in them either, but they were all multi-sensory. Is that right?
0: Exactly. And, And the idea was also, when they go back to their countries, I want them to be thinking about this, that it's all fine and good to speak about a topic and we have to change our behaviors and so forth but people don't actually change behaviors unless they experience it themselves and i wanted them to experience that so they could go back and think about how can they give experiences or or you know encourage businesses to give experiences to help change behavior Mm. because that's the only way we're going to change behavior is to give people a good experience it seems
2: to be something that's working are you are you aware of it must be five years ago at this point where oculus went with the very first oculus and did the Clouds Over Citra, Sidra experience for a lot of UN delegates where they put the delegates in the, in the role of a, um, a refugee, wasn't it, in a refugee camp, a little girl in a refugee camp. And again, a very powerful way of putting them in the place of those that they affect with their policies. So, so the UN presumably is quite susceptible to this kind of thing then?
0: Yes, I think it's, uh, that's a different department. <laughs> I think it's challenging always to do to, to push the bar and to do something different. It takes a lot of courage from the people who are trying to make those changes, because as you say, it's a lot of people speaking on panels, you know, talks, lectures, this is something very different. But if they see the impact, I think they'll be much more open to it. And with Clouds Over Sidro, which I think was such a r- great, great VR experience, I would take it one step further, and we're doing that now in VR um, with tree is is an example um, where, you know, you are the tree in a rainforest, but there are scents and there are sounds and and there's the wind and there's the – all the senses are heightened. Or like the the recent – exhibit at uh the Sachi gallery yes the air uh, we, we breathe went, we went yeah.
1: to see that one actually it was Amazing. really lovely
0: i think it was so well done and it was because all the senses were heightened yeah. they were all engaged so it's a very different thing than just seeing and, and vr already takes you to into the experience it's already yeah. incredible but yeah, yeah. imagine taking it to that next level well, it's
2: levels of, levels of presence isn't it exactly. which is which is the the oculus talk about increasing the levels of presence but they only refer to it in the visual and the audio, audio sense, so spatial sound, full 360 video, and six degrees of movement increases presence, but very rarely do they talk about the other senses. So can we increase the level of presence on taste and smells and haptics, presumably? Yeah. Um, and all of that is gonna really kind of put you, and that's gonna mean that you have someone else's experience, and so therefore you have this greater sense of understanding.
0: Yeah. And absolutely, and, and scent triggers your memory, right? Yeah. So scent and sound, these are things that just bring you back. So if you can incorporate that into the VR experience, it takes it to a whole other level. I know a company who's uh, a startup that's developing a sound, uh, sorry, a scent technology where it's, and they were the scent in the tree experience, actually. Mm. So it's... Um, all about um, being able to control the, the scent from a time perspective and from a space perspective. So imagine that. I think it's going to change the way not only we experience VR, but I think even cinema. Imagine sitting in the cinema and in your chair, you have the scent technology where the scent comes out, especially for the scene you're watching. And then it goes away within 20 seconds. The whole problem we've had in the past is that when you put a send in a cinema or anywhere, it stays. How do you change it to the next send? She's created this new technology where it's all spatially um, designed within a software where you can control it. So as these new technologies develop, I think VR and all the different ways we consume um, entertainment and, and messaging will change because we'll be able to incorporate the sense is much more easily.
2: And that's the reason it hasn't it hasn't come into fruition, right? Because we all understand it, it's just it hasn't been done because it's because yes. audio and visual is much, much easier to do than than sense and, well, taste more so, but it requires you to be eating something and yeah. haptics is getting better. But all of these things are kind of degrees of um, distance away from being um, ready to roll Absolutely. out. Absolutely. But the sense thing is quite interesting. The scent thing is quite interesting.
0: It's very interesting. And there's also a company in Los Angeles, I don't remember their name right now, but they do VR with food and they actually, so you put on the headset and you're eating with a special utensil and what you're eating is actually made from algae. So it's a very, like a, a base food that can be flavored in any way and they use top chefs and scent experts to create the scents and, and the tastes of the food. So you're taken away. So imagine you're, I don't know, you're in Italy, in, in Naples, eating a pizza. And you really think you're eating a pizza because you're in VR, you're smelling the pizza, you're hearing the sounds of Italy, you're getting the full experience, but you're actually eating algae. But (laughs) that's how good they are. So this is, they're thinking of using it, and they're already using it for lots of dietary issues, you know, because you can, first of all, you can lose weight that way. (laughs) Just eat algae instead of chocolate cake and pizza. But also um, for people with eating disorders, it's it's very helpful. Or, you know, people who are in hospitals who have... um, diseases where they have to eat certain things but they especially as they get older we want to be familiar with what we eat right we want it's hard to give something new to someone that they've never tried before but maybe they need that protein or that food so these kind of technologies can help with that because it's familiar when they eat it but it tastes it tastes familiar but actually what they're eating has the proteins or the vitamins that they need so technology is helping with that
2: is very interesting we've talked actually talked on this podcast previously about how um your perception changes your taste and the kind of the classic case studies are different colored glasses can change the taste of exactly the same liquid so we can all have like a single beverage in a red and a green and a blue and you'll taste them differently whether you even if you know it's the same which is the interesting bit for me yeah you know a heavier a heavier wine glass makes wine taste more taste more expensive, taste better.
0: Heavier utensils, then you think the food tastes. Yeah, yeah, uh,
2: really not. Really, much more expensive. Really kind of they did an experiment at
0: Noma in in uh, Copenhagen, and when they used light cutlery that was made from like light wood to go with a certain theme they had. Some people came back and said, the food wasn't as good, it tasted more like fast food. Mm. And it's because they associate light coloring with cheaper food. Literally the same food. It's all connected. It's all about
2: about framing or cognitive framing, isn't it? Absolutely. And so therefore the next step, which is obviously what you're exploring, is how can we then bring immersive technology to further um, augment that experience? Yes. Yeah, that's it's kind of really interesting. What other success stories have you had in that area? Because it's something that I think a lot of people are trying to solve.
0: I think with immersive technologies, I'm just starting to touch on that. It's really the beginning, so I'm I'm exploring now new new ways. I mean, when we say technology, it's not only VR though. Yeah. AR. For example, I'm working with a company that um, uses electronic music with cooking. So again, they're bringing sounds into the kitchen as they cook and they're like top chefs and they cook this beautiful meal that creates sounds from the cooking and then more sounds are added onto it that enhance the taste of the food. So when you eat it, you're f- tasting something at a much deeper and, and more enjoyable level than if you didn't have that music. It's all tailored to enhance the flavors of that certain food. So I like playing around with um perception and bringing the different senses together because it just changes the experience completely.
2: Isn't that interesting? Yeah, because obviously restaurants have different music and music yes. is a is a is a good shortcut to the emotions.
0: Absolutely. Obviously.
2: So therefore the natural extension of that is that the way that you experience the way that you taste food will change Absolutely. based on the And they don't think about it enough. Lots of no, restaurants of just
0: put on some background music. They yeah, don't yeah. realize what it's doing to the taste of the food. And yeah. it's huge, it's a the huge thing. The context part of within it. which
2: you consume something is massively important.
0: Absolutely. Have you heard of the, I think it's called the Rosé Effect? When you're on holiday oh, yeah. at the beach, sunset with your loved one, and you have this most gorgeous rosé, and it's this, this the best rosé you've ever taken, uh, tasted. So you buy a case and you take it back to London. And one day you remember you have this case of rosé, and it's raining outside, and you're stressed after work, and you're like, "Let's break out that rosé. I just need something." And it's the worst acidic rosé you've ever tried. There's nothing to do. It's the same rosé. It's just yeah. the environment. Same so,
2: with Uzo Perno. It's basically yeah. any kind. Any any, any, <laughs> cultu- any cultural drink of course tastes uh, tastes awful yeah tastes awful when you're not in the context yeah i mean again we've said on we've said on we've said on this podcast with previous guests is that is the um the person who cleans the restaurant is as important as the michelin star chef absolutely. the context within which you consume something is as important as the product itself
0: absolutely
2: um, so therefore experience design
0: exactly exactly and i think people are starting to come into that i think like from retail to all kinds of businesses people are starting to realize that This is a big part of the experience they're giving to the customer. Um, I know different customer experience um, divisions within companies are now looking for external um, consultants to look at the senses because this is something that, you know, it's come to the forefront now. It's very important, so it's good. But it's just the beginning, I think. Um, One of the things I wanted to mention was um, I – I think in the corporate world, when we think about the future of work and AI and and machines taking over a lot of the jobs, there's a lot of um, fear and uncertainty. And I think the senses can play a role in that, too. And I've created this dining experience called Sensing the Future um, with a perfumer in Portugal, actually, who creates a sense for it. And it's all about helping people, whether they work in innovation, whether they work, whether they're just leaders of departments, different departments, or whether they're in HR, or whatever, it doesn't really matter. But people in companies to tap back into their senses and practice the skills that they'll need in the future. So you know, the World Economic Forum has the list of the top 10 skills we'll need in the future, which is starting now, really. But from, you know, emotional intelligence to creativity, critical thinking, all of these things. And I don't believe you can be those things if you're not tapped into your senses. So I use the senses in that way too. So we go through a dining experience, a five course dinner where each course is focused on one sense and different skills. So for example, one course, half of the people will be blindfolded and the other half have to feed them and they're feeding them something that they don't know what it is because they don't recognize it and the people who are blindfolded obviously don't know what it is and they may not know the person across from them. So you're dealing with a lot of emotions here. You're dealing with you know, empathy for the person you're feeding and emotional intelligence. At the same time, the person who's blindfolded is dealing with trust issues and, and you know feeling comfortable in an uncertain situation. And these are all things mimicking the future. So I go through every course doing these kind of interactive activities using the senses. So by the end, they've practiced all 10 um, skills that they'll need for the future of work.
1: When you do a uh, experience, is there a, how do you creatively find your way into doing an experience? Do you focus on a particular scent first and try and crack it? Do you work out the song that it is, or you know what's what's the kind of process?
0: I think I look at the story I'm trying to tell first. So, what is the message I'm trying to bring and the story I'm trying to tell, and then how do I want to make them feel? Yeah, and what do I want them to remember when they leave? And then I can, you know. Decide on the sounds and yeah. the smells and all of that, just to enhance that story, that message, to take it to another level. So I think it does all start with the message and the story. That's the most important thing.
2: And rightfully, the technology is subservient to that and secondary to that, and Absolutely. often doesn't feature. But you're also you are an advocate for technology. I mean, literally, you're part of um, Tech London Advocate, right? Yeah, I so, mean, how, so those two feel like they're yeah. a forest, so <laughs> those like two are tech. kind of yeah. sort of in in conflict with each other to a certain degree.
0: It is, but I think maybe that's my role, you know. I think I'm a, a tech advocate and I'm so excited about where technology is going and all the amazing things they'll be able to do to help the world, help with disease, help with climate change, help with education, health, everything. Yet I want people to be aware also. Of how it can disconnect us from ourselves and from each other. So, you know, I use examples like, you know, Skype and FaceTime. These things have really been amazing for us. We can speak to people across the world and watch it. I can babysit my nephew in Canada. You know, (laughs) it's incredible. So it's connecting us, it's bringing us together. But then there's things like social media and different things that, It can be used for connection, but they can also be used for disconnection because it's about what you post and what you're trying to say and what you're trying to put out to the world. So I think we just have to be aware and be careful how we use the technologies and always try to use it for good and cre- And the people who are creating technologies should be thinking how can we create a technology that's going to solve a problem rather than how can we just create a technology that's cool and fun and make a lot of money that's not me <laughs> I'm, yeah. not, I'm all about pushing how do we you know solve problems change the world make it a better place through technology and I think we can so that's yeah that's so you're, really you're optimistic
2: about it because int- I, I, was, I was having a debate with my partner about this who's, who's also a kind of, who's a sort of female rights and uh, climate campaigner And I fall down on the side of being generally optimistic about most things and technology. I think that technology can be a force for good, even though it is actually very toxic in a lot of ways. Social media and mental health, um, hacking our elections, the dangers of AI. But I generally come down on the fact that technology is a force for good and that I am optimistic. Her point was that evolutionarily the optimists have lost out we have to be a we have to be a pessimist because the pessimists are more aware
0: i tend to agree with you i'm an optimist because i think it'll find its place we're going through all this right now and we think, oh my God, look how far it's gone. You know, we're hacking. You know, elections are being hacked through Facebook and all this. But, and I get upset about all that, of course. But then I think in history, things like this happened when new things were developed. It had to find its place. It takes a while, so bad things happen, and while it's getting settled, I don't think humans will let it go that far. That it will take over, and that we. But I do think we have to be aware, and I do want to make people aware. Another thing I talk about in some of my talks on on. I call it sensing your way to well-being. Is that you know, with all the um, Fitbits and all these these bio um, uh, technologies, where they're measuring our steps and our heartbeat and so forth. On the one hand, it's great because now we're more aware. But on the other hand, if you think about it, and I always play devil's advocate—that's what I do. On the other hand, if we're even giving out, outsourcing our power to understand our own body. To technology what's left if I have to wait for this thing on my arm to tell me oh you haven't walked for you know two hours you better get up and walk around a bit or you haven't drunk water or you haven't I don't know your heart beats a bit low you better go up and do some exercise yeah, yeah. that means that I'm not having to think about what my body actually feels I'm not in my body anymore I'm just this robot waiting to be told take this vitamin go do a run you didn't do enough exercise that scares me I think we need to be in control of our own bodies and listen to our bodies, not just listen to a piece of technology. So in that way, I'm in two minds about it. I I want people to be aware that if we're not careful, we will become robots. We'll just be told what to do, what to eat, what to like, and we'll just do it because it's easier. You don't have to make decisions, but is that what we want? Yeah. So there are two sides. Well,
2: human beings want the path of least resistance. And so this, this technology will enter our lives through being a utility, through making things easier. But then I think we will go through this period of realizing where it is good and where it is bad. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there is a great degree of anxiety around things like wearables, constantly monitoring you, constantly checking up on you, because it just means that there's always this sort of drip, drip, drip in the back of your mind about um, your own kind of state of health. But actually, generally you'd be just walking around going, oh, I'm actually fine. But weirdly my piece of technology is telling me otherwise. And it's, it's it's good and bad, um, and and so kind of bringing it back to what we do as a kind of an, an experience agency is that, and a lot of agencies, and I presume to a certain degree you actually don't work with agencies. Is that correct? You work more sort of direct.
0: More direct. I have done a little bit of work with agencies, but they're much more direct.
2: But working companies. working with working with businesses and working with brands. It's too easy to fall into this trap of wanting to, you know, the new and the shiny, and it's always technology. And let's go in and go, hey, you've got a, hey, let's do VR, let's do AR, because it's new and it's shiny. And people like new and shiny without actually thinking about, is this the right thing? Is it appropriate? You know, can you do something multisensory that doesn't involve technology? And actually thinking, as you say, kind of a human first, audience first approach to things. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a kind of a note of caution in the way that we approach things.
0: Yes, and that's the first question I ask: Do we need VR? Do we need AR? Do it? Does that really add to the experience, or can we do it without? Because we have enough technology in our lives. Maybe we need some experiences that make us think about our senses without technology. So, um,
1: yeah. And also, like, one of the interesting things I was talking to someone the other day, and um, oh, maybe I was listening to a talk, but we were talking about. Um, how humanity is like you know, 130,000 years old. And in that 130,000 years old, we have built and learnt through our senses how to deal with a community, right? And maybe you could argue since the 50s, so not very long, we have just like been outsourcing a lot of that, right? And it's happening at such an exponential rate that obviously we're not gonna understand it because you've got sort of 70 years versus over 100,000 years of understanding which is built into us very naturally. Um, So it is really interesting, like, you know, when I used to work a lot more in VR, we used to, a lot of the guys used to revel in the fact that you could trick the brain to be able to get it to do things, and that this was a really positive thing. And it always concerned me a little bit that we were tricking the brain in the wrong way, right?
0: Yeah, exactly, I'm not for manipulating people for the purpose of manipulating them to get them to buy more things or whatever i'm i'm very against that but i am into not tricking them but taking them through an experience that they think is real to make them think about that so as i think i mentioned before like you know you can use this for vr can be used for dementia and all these kind of things to trigger memories again and i think that is great so they might Think they've gone through that experience when it was just a VR experience but it's for positive because they're remembering things about their life and it's coming back to them this is a good thing or in education for example if you can learn through doing through experiencing you're going to remember that rather than reading it in a book but if you're using it to get people to buy more yeah. you know by manipulating their brain then I don't agree with it so yes it's how you use it
1: because I think there's a lot of things we you hear a lot of especially when people talk about VR about how VR can lay memories uh, very well. And I, I would always argue, well, no, I think experiences lay memories. You're just giving someone an experience. It's For not VR. it's not the exactly. VR that's doing it. It's like we are biologically created, you know, we're driven by that sort of brain pattern. So VR or not VR, and this is why I think it's really interesting what you do, because it's coming back to these senses, it's creating memories properly. And if technology helps create that memory or question that kind of input, it's really yes. interesting, right? Yes.
0: And we were talking before about refugees, and uh, one of the earlier dinners I wanted to do was uh, about refugees and how, let's say, from Syria, taken from um, Clouds Over Sidra, kind of taking it to a multi sensory dining experience, to. Um, take people through a dining experience where they're eating the foods from there, they're hearing the music, but the beautiful music, you know, the real culture of Syria, the rich culture, smelling the smells of the different spices in the fields and the flowers and, you know, touching the different foods and eating with their hands certain things and just touching, like, uh, the environment of Syria. And then afterwards in the dinner, actually having some of the refugees speak with them because I think this would really, again, take you to the next level it's not about reading numbers in the newspaper or hearing on the news oh we have to handle you know there's more refugees coming in whatever now you know what they're coming from and you realize that they have a history they have a culture they have families just like you and I think the way to do that is through an experience where you use all your senses because then you leave knowing the sounds from that country and the smells and the tastes it's a whole different understanding you have of a culture when you in- incorporate all the senses yeah. so I still you know would like to understand. do that actually yeah because yeah. uh. I
1: think a lot a lot of technology and other things as well fosters uh, you know with the way in which we consume media it fosters quite a disconnection right and I think in what you're doing you foster a connection which is something actually as a human being you constantly want we right need. and we, we live get those connections. connections through our senses and through our understanding and through experiencing things in real time right yes. and that's really deep and that, that's a really deep connection you know yes. almost to, to a spiritual yes. connection level right
0: it is it is and and rather than going through our lives tapping screens if you think about it right from when you wake up in the morning you check your mobile you take your your you know, the, the underground to work, you're on your mobile playing a game, checking your emails, listening to music, whatever you're doing, listening to a podcast. And then you get to work, you're in front of a screen tapping all day, you get home, and you maybe you're tired, you don't want to cook dinner. So you order on Deliveroo or Uber Eats or whatever, and you eat it in front of Netflix. And then you you're on your your Kindle before you go to bed. So even if you're doing things that are intellectually stimulating, you're actually in front of a screen all day long, you're not engaging with your other senses. And this is what I want to change because we need connection that's not connection mm. that's maybe intellectually enhancing your your mind but it's not connection
1: it's a lot easier that it is disconnection, right? but it's
0: a lot unhealthier yeah. and look at the depression levels how they're rising yeah. with young people especially because they're all behind screens all the time yeah. so i want to get them out of this and get them to experience <laughs> life you know yeah. through their senses so um,
2: so how does how does all of this get funded because you work with you work with you work with Startups. You work the CEOs of startups. And the reason I ask is because I think there is a lot of creative problem-solving power locked up solving problems of how do we sell a thing as opposed to if we could unlock, for example, even just all of the, 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 the creativity and the technology space in London alone to be more directed at some of the things that you work at then we would solve huge problems much, much quicker. But of course the problem is, is that the people who are paying are the people who want to sell stuff. It's advertising. How does all this get funded?
0: Each case is different, and if I had a a magic bullet to tell you how (laughs) I'd be very rich right now, but um, working on it, Um, each case is very different. So sometimes I work with big corporates, so they'll see the value in that. It might come out of uh, innovation budget, it might come out of a leadership and development budget, you know, it depends. Um, otherwise, I've had, if I've just come with an idea and kind of pitched it to different people, I've just had it sponsored by a company. Um, the main thing for me is that I, I stay true to the message I'm trying to, to convey, that I, I don't sell a product through what I'm doing so even if it was to be through an agency and it's it's a brand that wants to do this I'd want to make sure the brand is trying to send a strong message about something meaningful not about selling a product so I I hope I'll always stay true to that because that's my
2: do you find that people um, generally understand the value of experiences over other forms of um, let's say communications
0: I think now more and more they are I, I really do I mean you guys must see in, in marketing and in this world it's all about experiential, right this yeah. company is yeah
2: yeah, so it's, yeah marketing budgets are generally shifting towards experience exactly there's, 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 there's kind of things like social media is becoming more unpalatable and less effective, yeah, certainly, and it's yeah. coming back to what you're all about, which is it's the human connection, yes, you get far fewer far far, far fewer people, but the level of immersion, the level of connection you get with people is is far greater, and therefore memories you create far more powerful
0: and then then the social media is valuable because then those people who were at that experience spread the word and that is much more um, scalable and and more valuable when it's word of mouth like that because of a great memorable experience than just something someone read or you know bought without an experience so I think living in the experience economy companies have to wake up to that they have to give amazing experiences because that's how the word will get spread Mm.
1: And you're set. You know, you're setting up shop in someone's head with yeah. an experience, right? You're you you're giving them something in order. To, it's a it is a proper transaction. Yeah. You know, uh, I will allow you to converse with me because of the experience you are giving me. Yeah. So therefore, and then you know, it's really interesting.
0: Yeah, I've been asked many times why I don't do this. You know, for the public because it's always been sort of B two B so far i haven't you know opened a pop-up or anything to do this and it's a thought i have sometimes but
1: that's interesting i was going to ask yeah, you about scaling a little
0: yeah bit. i'm not sure if that's the direction i want to go because again i never in my head i never envisioned this as oh this is fun entertainment people will pay a ticket to come do this i always envision it as i have a message i need to get out there and i need to get this to companies who who, who you know can make a difference and yeah I've had a lot of requests now um people would say you know, I'd pay a lot of money to come to a, an experience like this so who knows what the future holds I don't know um I never saw myself opening a pop-up restaurant kind of thing yeah <laughs> but so what
2: kind of what kind of people do you want to 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 collaborate with what kind of things you want to do but you can't where do you where do you want kind of help because we have a lot of we have a lot of startups we have a lot of kind of big tech people listen to this podcast I mean what who do you want to? Who do you want to collaborate, and what sort of things do you want to do?
0: Um, I'd love to work with um, large tech companies to bring these experiences to the teams in the companies because I think this is something they wouldn't otherwise get. So I I would just like them to be open to. To these experiences, obviously, I'd like to work with tech companies to help me with the tech side of things when I need it. That would be great, mm. um, whether it's VR or you know AR, or AI. But um, I collaborate with a lot of people. I bring in people as need be. So I work with musicians, I work with sound designers, perfumers, artists, chefs, all kinds of people. So I have sort of a collective that I pull in, you know, different people as I need them. Um, it's more about having the right partners to do it with so um, and scale it so
1: because uh, yeah. the scale on something like this must be quite difficult because it's so it's so meticulously detailed right? yeah every little moment the smell yeah I mean, for some reason my head smell is a real real fine detail but actually I suppose it's not necessarily always a fine detail but uh, it, it takes a lot of thought, I, yeah. but it
0: doesn't have to be fine. And as you scale things, okay, maybe it won't be a, a dining table for 30 people. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be a huge room and you're walking through different yeah. areas and tasting things and so forth. It's then it's just on a different scale. But yes, of course we can do that if I have the opportunity. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do that. I just want to get more people thinking about this and thinking about how important engaging with our senses is to being human yeah and in this day and age of technology i just think it's so 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 crucial for
1: so where can anyone out there find you if they want to speak to you
0: um well my website is innocency.com, so they can go there Uh, on linkedin i always answer everyone who contacts me on linkedin on twitter it's my name kim marazzi um yeah and i speak at many events i gave a ted talk um in november in york so you can find me on ted tedx talk um can
1: we find that one online on the
0: youtube yeah yeah we'll link
2: link all all of this we'll link into this podcast distribution
0: yeah it's called are we losing (laughs) our common (laughs) senses
1: great great thank you very much thank you kim thanks for coming to join us
0: thanks for having me it's It's been an absolute pleasure
1: root to flower yeah root to flower flower. i love love that. that yeah that's great Thanks, Kim, for coming on the Genuine X podcast. It's always great to hear from someone who's working so closely with the senses and something that's so intuitive to all of us. Thanks for listening. And remember, the next time you're enjoying a nice rosé in the sunshine, don't buy a case of it and bring it home to rainy old England. If you have any questions or thoughts, please do get in touch. Podcast at jackmorton.co.uk Don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes. Till next time, thank you very much.